Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, you guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week, I am very excited to have a really fun guest on with us. Um, You guys know that over the last few years, I've started using my home freeze dryer a lot for preservation. And the more I use it, the more I love it, the more things I find to do with it. So... I wanted to talk with Harvest Right today and dive into some of the questions that a lot of you guys have expressed to me about freeze drying. So I'm excited to go ahead and introduce Matt Neville from Harvest Right. Hello, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Carolyn, I'm really excited to be here today. This is exciting. So tell me what you do for Harvest Right, like, you know, who are you? <laughs> sure, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not really special, but um, I actually was one of the very first employees at Harvest Right, believe it or not, um, over 10 years ago. And so I have been able to see Harvest Right do amazing things, inventing something new to the world. Really, before Harvest Right invented this freeze dryer, freeze drying was not accessible at all to the home. And so it's been pretty fun to kind of be on the cutting edge of food preservation and try to bring something to the home to really bless the lives of people around the world so that that uh, food can be preserved in a way that it never could be before. And so it's been fun to watch the evolution of really inventing something new and creating a category that never existed, right? It'd almost be like inventing the microwave 100 years ago or a dishwasher, you know, back in the 50s when dishwashing wasn't a thing. And and so anyway, it's been pretty fun to to be a part of something really innovative and inventive for preserving food. Well, I bet a lot of people around here have felt feel about freeze drying or have felt about freeze drying the way that I did. I remember first hearing about freeze drying at home and I thought, oh, one more gadget, you know, like, do we really need one more gadget in our home to help us preserve food? And of course, I said that before I tried a freeze dryer. And now I'm like singing the praises of freeze dryers because I mean, I love some of the the practical side of the, you know, the length of storage, but I love the ease of the harvest with uh, with a freeze dryer in the house. It makes my life so much easier. And there are things that I am never going back to canning if I have the opportunity to. So, um, you know, I, I'm so glad that you guys are on the cutting edge and doing what you're doing because it's actually really allowing us to preserve a whole lot more from of our homegrown food. Um, and put it up because of the ease of it. So it's it's great that uh, you guys are continuing to experiment and in continuing to improve a lot of things. I see the pro line has just come out. This isn't anything we were planning on talking about, but just really quickly, tell us about the pro line and how it's different than the original models of the freeze dryers. Awesome. Yeah, great question. So, you know, and we could even go quick history of harvest right, right? When we started this and we when we invented this product 10 years ago, you know, freeze drying has been around for a long time. That's not new, but being able to do it in your home has not. And so we always knew that freeze drying was the best way to preserve food, right? You get the longest um, longest life, right? You're going to get 25 years or more in lots of instances. You're going to get the most nutrition and it's going to be the best tasting way to preserve food. The problem was is that it's really expensive and they only did freeze drying in multi-million dollar machines, right? You had to have a million dollar machine the size of a school bus in order to, to freeze dry or you had to be in a laboratory and you were doing science experiments with blood cells and proteins and all kinds of things that scientists would do for freeze drying 
um, with serums and vaccines and things like that. And so anyway, freeze drying just wasn't accessible to the normal person. And so actually at Harvest Right, what we did is we bought a, because we knew that freeze drying was the best way to preserve food, we thought, how can we bring this to people's homes? You know, you could buy freeze dried food, but that's really expensive. And so, and, and then your freeze dried food that you buy, you may not love it because it's not your diet. It's not the foods you like. There's all kinds of things, you know, you might have allergies or, or anyways, all these kinds of requests you might get. And so what we did was, is we bought a freeze dryer that was $30,000. And that $30,000 freeze dryer could do about this much food. Oh. And, and we said, okay, well, this freeze dryer clearly works. How can we make it smaller? How can we make it more affordable? How can we make it so easy that anyone can use it? You know, I had my 85-year-old grandmother in mind, you know, as we're thinking about, okay, how can grandma use this freeze dryer? We don't want her to have to babysit it. We just want her to press start and she can walk away, right, kind of thing. And, and we started doing this. And initially, 10 years ago, we took this $30,000 freeze dryer that could only do this much food, and we made one. And by the way, it was really big. The machine itself was really big, the size of at least a home refrigerator that could only do this much product. And, and we came out with a machine that could really fit on kind of a countertop or a cart that was $5,000. And we were actually thrilled initially when we took this machine that couldn't do hardly anything and made something that someone could buy for $5,000, which is still really expensive, right? Um, but even then, it was kind of a miracle to, to even get a freeze dryer um, to $5,000, and that was 10 years ago. Fast forward to today, and we have the Pro line that, that has come out, and, and that Pro series allows you to do about three times the amount that that original freeze dryer could do that we bought. So as an example, your medium pro freeze dryer will do about 12 pounds of food in a batch. Your large will do about 18 pounds of food in a batch or 20 pounds of food in a batch. And um, it's really easy to use. You just press start and walk away and it just takes care of the process. So that pro series is really neat because the capacity is increased as well as um, the ease of use. But maybe even more importantly, it's probably half the cost of that original $5,000 freeze dryer that we invented to where it's about $2,500 today to get a freeze dryer, give or take. So yeah. anyway. That, that's, you know, a lot of progress in a really short amount of time. And uh, it's such a, so exciting for us. But how realistic is it for an average homeowner, average homesteader, somebody who's just trying to put up some food? How realistic is it for them to freeze dry? Like space wise, electricity wise, cost wise, like all of those things. Is this something that you really see as being accessible to the average person? You know, that's that's the goal, right? I mean, and, and I think that's always been the goal in the back of our minds. And, and even more than making honey, money at Harvest, right? You know, we have to make money to continue the business so we can provide freeze dryers. We really believe in these products and what they can do. And so we're a lot more passionate about um, putting out products into the world at the most affordable price possible, high quality products. And to your point, you know, a $2,500 freeze dryer is, is an investment for sure. Um, but what we have found over the years is that people can save up for a freeze dryer. We have an amazing layaway program that makes it so you can save up for a freeze dryer and pitch away at it until you can get one. Um, and maybe even better is, is certainly compared to buying freeze dried food, you're always going to win with a freeze dryer because freeze dried food is so expensive that once you've used your freeze dryer maybe 20 times, it's paid for itself compared to buying freeze-dried food, and the quality is a lot better. And so in our mind, it has become so realistic. And um, I will say this, we have hundreds of thousands of customers. So there's there's over 400,000 people who are freeze-drying today um, because we've been able to make it more affordable. So it's been pretty fun to make these products more affordable and function better over time. Um, and, and, and be really easy to use and all of those things. And so, yeah, great, great questions. So if, first of all, do you, do you personally own a freeze dryer? Do you have a freeze dryer? Oh yourself? yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite food to freeze dry? 
Oh my gosh. So we use our freeze dryer for so many different things. I don't, I don't know how you are with your freeze dryer, but so we use our freeze dryer for day-to-day snacking and awesomeness, right? So like we just pulled out freeze-dried honeydew and freeze-dried pears and I have littles, right? Little babies. And so we, we make freeze-dried baby food and freeze-dried yogurt. And, and so my kids snack and eat healthy and we love to do that. Just kind of munching on things, you know, keeping our babies healthy and keeping my kids healthy and, and even myself, right? Having healthy snacks around. So we love that. But probably my very favorite thing about my freeze dryer is just not wasting food, right? Mm-hmm. So food costs are, are astronomical right now, higher than they've ever been probably in the history of the world. And so the thing I love about my freeze dryer is my wife just did this yesterday, actually. We had a bushel of a bushel of bananas, a big box of bananas that were going on us. My wife had found a deal, like 40 cents a pound for bananas. She bought a bushel of them and they were going on us. And so before they went, she just cut them up, put them on the trays and got them in the freeze dryer, right? We do the same thing at night with leftover meals. If we make fajitas or chicken noodle soup or steak and potatoes, anything we make for dinner, Rather than it going into a Tupperware that might end up in the trash, I just, something about me just feels good not wasting it. I don't know what it is. Uh, I just feel better not throwing it away. The money part is one thing, but also all the, you know, as a, as a homesteader, you know this better than anyone, all the effort that goes into growing and raising and having good food, um, there's just something really nice about almost making that food waste in our house down to zero that, that I just really love. So we do the, we do the fun things with it. You know, we freeze our ice cream and Skittles and treats and, and healthy things like baby food for my babies and things, but I really just love not wasting food. Yeah. You know, we do the same thing. We actually keep trays in the freezer and in our house, we've got, uh, usually it's 14 people at our table. Um, the numbers fluctuate with people now have full-time jobs and some are in, some are out. But um, they, for us, um, the amount of food that's worth it to save for the next meal is actually usually like three people's worth of, you know, if we have like three servings left, it's almost not worth saving in terms of being able to serve it again as leftovers, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that's like you know, a fifth of what we need for dinner. But I found that I can take that food and I can just pop it on a tray in the freeze dryer and I just keep building up in the, or in the freezer and um, save it up until I have enough to do a full freeze dryer run. And then we have a bunch of individual portions of meals for people to take and go, or, you know, the, the straggler comes home late for dinner and there isn't anything left. We've got something to serve them. And that has been amazing for the food waste for us too. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool, right? Like these meals that you freeze dry, right? They're meals that you've home cooked already. You know, it's food your family likes to eat because it's your spaghetti or your lasagna or chicken noodle soup or beef stroganoff or whatever it is. And so you're right, whether you use that meal as for camping and backpacking, right? A lot of people love to just freeze dry their leftovers and know, oh my gosh, I have chicken noodle soup or chicken fettuccine Alfredo to take camping next weekend. And it was food I was going to throw away otherwise. Right. And so, so you're exactly right. Just, just kind of cutting down on that waste and using that food later is, is really nice. So let's talk about the difference between freeze drying and dehydrating for a moment, because I know this is something that confuses a lot of people. Both mm-hmm. cases were removing moisture, right? Mm-hmm. So, but there, there's a huge difference in the process and kind of the scientific process of what's happening, but also in the final result of the food. Now I'm going to say right off, I have two large Excalibur dehydrators. I still run them all the time. I absolutely love them. So I do dehydrate, but I also freeze dry. So they are two different things that kind of have different places, but, but what is the difference of them between them? So you're right. I mean, we, we could get sciencey and techie and, and tell you all the processing differences. Um, but I think most importantly, there are a couple of things. The first thing is the nutritional content. So when you dehydrate something, um, you typically lose about 40% of the nutrition. And you can see that because 
when you dehydrate a banana and make banana chips, they kind of turn brown on you, right? Or if you dehydrate apples and they're yummy snack, right? But, but you do lose a, a good chunk of that nutrition when you dehydrate. Whereas when you freeze dry, you're going to typically keep about 97% of the nutrition. So there's one big difference between freeze drying and dehydrating. But probably the very biggest difference is the amount of things that you can freeze dry that you could never dehydrate. Um, so you can freeze dry things like ice cream, right? You can't dehydrate ice cream. You can freeze dry raw eggs. You can freeze dry milk. You can freeze dry home chicken noodle soup. You can freeze dry steak and potatoes and lasagna and every vegetable from your garden. And then when you add water back to your chicken noodle soup or your steak and potatoes, you can rehydrate it, make it virtually just like it's fresh. And you can't do that with a dehydrator. A dehydrator is really fun for making snacks and beef jerky and apple chips and banana chips. But you're not going to be able to freeze dry full cooked meals, have all the nutrition, um, and rehydrate those really successfully. You can kind of rehydrate some things dehydrating, but it's a lot more difficult. Whereas with a freeze dryer, it's just a lot easier. And then maybe it, even bigger than that is a shelf life. You're going to get that great, you know, often 25 year plus shelf life with freeze dried food. Whereas with a dehydrate, because freeze drying removes all the water when you do it. So that's why you can keep a much longer shelf life. Whereas dehydrated, usually you're good for a couple of years if you package it really well. Um, but you're not going to get as long of a shelf life either. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's talk about that. You kind of touched a little bit on rehydration there. And this is one of the things that really throws people in the freeze drying world. Like, okay, it's really easy to freeze dry food. Like you essentially slice it up. Maybe there's a few things you want to pre-treat like a little blanching or something. None of that is outside of normal for anybody who preserves food in other ways. Mm -hmm. And you stick it in the machine, you push a few buttons and it pretty much just goes and does its thing. Right. So this is really easy. Um, I, I feel like the biggest skill in, uh, freeze drying, well, there's two of them. One of them is telling for sure that the food is done, right? Mm -hmm. When you bring it out, like that's, that's crucial. You've got to be sure that it's done freeze drying. All that moisture is, is removed. But the other one is rehydrating that food. Um, and there's, there's kind of two different schools of thought. One is this very scientific, like, okay, you take your fresh food that's on the tray and you weigh it and then you freeze dry it and then you pull it back out. You weigh it again. You figure the difference in weight and you divide that by serving amounts. And then you know exactly how much water in weight to add back per serving. I mean, that, that is, gosh, it's beautiful. It's one of those things that like, <laughs> oh, you know, the angels are singing, we're going to have perfectly rehydrated food. But then there's practical, which says, I'm sorry, my scale is not coming out. And I'm not doing that kind of math, because I've got 11 kids that are waiting for dinner, somebody to take to a sports thing and something else going on. When you freeze dry at home, do you pull out the scale and actually do the, the weights in the, for rehydrating or what's your, I don't, I don't, I, you're right. It is pretty cool. Like you'll see people do this where they weigh it just like you said, and they know, Oh, I have to put exactly 205 grams of water back into this freeze dried pouch. And you're like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like how did you even do that? When I grow up, I want to be that person. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you don't have 14 people at dinner every night, maybe you can do that. <laughs> I, I have seven at dinner and I can't do that. So anyway, uh, but, but it's super cool that people will do that. I don't, I, I, I take more of the method of, um, I, I almost think of it like instant oatmeal. You know, maybe the first time you made oatmeal, you measured exactly half a cup of water when you made your oatmeal and, and probably today you don't probably today you just add some water and you think, Oh, that's about the right amount. And, and once you, your oatmeal starts going, you're like, oh, I need a little more water to, 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 to rehydrate it right. Or I need to drain a little off because I put a little too much on. Um, I, I really kind of think that you can just kind of eyeball it and get really, really close. And so I don't take that super scientific method. I just take the instant oatmeal method that is just add, add, add some as I go and add a little more if I need to and drain a little off if I need to just to get it just right. Because I think I'm close enough if I do that to get a really good product. So, so what would be your top tip when it comes to rehydrating food? I mean, I've heard people, if they're careful enough and slow enough about it, they can rehydrate bread back mm -hmm. to a decent state. And that just blows my mind. I think I'm just not 
patient or careful enough on that. But things like lasagna, you mm -hmm. can completely rehydrate lasagna. Um, and, you know, there's a few extra steps to that. How would you go about doing something like that? Like, it's pretty easy. We're thinking, you know, like you said, the oatmeal example, eat green beans for dinner or corn mm -hmm. or something like that. Like the oatmeal example works perfectly for that. But when we're talking lasagna, like you can't really pour off the extra water, right? Without sure. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Great question. So, so there, are, there, there's probably two tips we could go over just before. Tip number one is if it is a cooked food. So if it's a cooked meal that I freeze dried, or if it was cooked green beans or cooked corn that I then freeze dried, I'm going to rehydrate with hot water. Okay. If it's a raw food, say it's raw eggs or, and this might seem intuitive, but raw eggs or milk or raw vegetables or raw anything or raw meat. People would freeze dry raw chicken and raw turkey and, and raw steak and beef and things like that. I'm not going to rehydrate with hot water. I'm going to rehydrate with cold or room temperature water. So that kind of matters. Um, but to your point, lasagna is a great example of something that's kind of tricky to rehydrate. So if I'm camping and backpacking in the hills and I have lasagna in a pouch that I'm going to rehydrate, I probably just pour some boiling water over it and do it the the oatmeal method, right? Guessing and checking. But my lasagna is not going to stay my pretty big, pretty lasagna, right? It's going to turn more into like a little bit of a lasagna glop kind of thing, right? Where it's going to taste great and it's going to rehydrate great and it's going to taste just like lasagna, but it's not as pretty. Now, if I want to do it the pretty way, there are ways to do that. Um, and I've seen people even do this, like you said, with brownies and breads and pizzas. They'll actually use their Instapot, and they'll put a little water in the Instapot and put it on the little shelf in the Instapot so it's not soaking in the water. And they'll pressurize it. And as they pressurize it, it infuses the water right into that lasagna. And it comes out the pretty lasagna. It comes out the brownie. It comes out the pizza. So you can, you can do it to make it turn out just like the pretty and keep the shape. But again, even with something like lasagna, if it's going to rehydrate the noodles just right and the cheese and the sauce and all those things, but I don't keep that pretty shape. Sometimes I just still go the oatmeal method, even though it doesn't turn out quite as pretty. That's just because that's how I am. But you can definitely get to that super pretty shape if you want to, if you want to take a little extra effort. So. Yeah, we talk a lot about being practical around here. There, There's a lot of, you know, Pinterest is like the enemy of practical. <laughs> like we love it because it's gorgeous. And it's like, oh, I want to do that one day. I want to, you know, have my kitchen look like that. I want my rehydrated lasagna to look like that. Right. But, um, but let's get practical and go, hey, it's all going to taste pretty good, even if it ends up a little mashed up in the bowl. Yeah. So we can yeah. still have fun at our party, even if it's not a Pinterest pretty party, right? We can still, exactly. we can still party and it's going to be great. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Electricity. When mm -hmm. it comes to freeze drying, this is one thing that people are very concerned about. Sure. Um, and, you know, we found now I have not done any technical readings on this yet. I'm still mm -hmm. trying to work out doing that. But we've been surprised. We have two large freeze dryers running right now all the time, pretty much all the time. We're just coming out of harvest season. So through harvest season, definitely they are running like we do a defrost cycle in between and then they've got stuff going right back in them, right back on. And we've actually not seen the electrical bill go up in any noticeable way as soon as we started doing that. That was surprising to us because we really thought like, oh, this is going to take a lot of electricity. Um, so do you have any numbers? Do you have any data or anything like that on what it what it costs to sure. run a free dryer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. And, and it's going to vary depending on the power costs in your area, obviously. Probably the easiest thing to do is uh, we've seen that it costs about the same as running a dehydrator does. You know, those heating elements in a dehydrator um, compared to, to what's going on in a freeze dryer are pretty similar. And that's probably why you didn't notice a huge bump. And even if you think about it, um, canning requires a certain amount of energy, right? You have to boil this water. And so you've got to use gas or, or electricity to boil this water for a certain amount of time. And so um, every way to preserve food is going to require a certain amount of energy. You know, freezing food obviously requires a certain amount of energy to have that freezer plugged in all the time. And, and I've had actually people and you might be one of these people actually who have four or five freezers, right? Because they have such an abundant harvest and they've got to do something with this food. So what's the easiest thing to do is 
I'm going to fill up four freezers full of my vegetables and there's a full freezer full of meat, you know, for maybe half a cow that I got. And, and what I see people do actually with their freeze dryer is they take food right out of that, out of that freezer. They put it through their freeze dryer and then that food goes on the shelf and they'll say to me, they'll say, Matt, I am used to having corn in a freezer for six months before I eat it, right? That's not uncommon for me to do my corn harvest. And six months later, I'm still eating that corn, which I love, but I'm paying power on that corn for six months while it's in that freezer. But if I freeze dry it, I pay power on that corn for 24 hours, maybe 30 hours, depending on how long that corn batch took. And then that food goes right on the shelf. So rather than paying power on that corn for six months, I paid power for a day, maybe a little over a day, depending on how long that batch took. And so in a lot of ways, they'll do that. And then they'll start getting rid of freezers rather than having three, four, five freezers. They'll maybe work it down to one extra freezer because the food that they freeze dry goes right on the shelf rather than having to be in the freezer all the time. Yeah, that that's great. And, you know, it is a good point that every type of preservation, I'm trying to think of any type of preservation doesn't take some sort of energy of some sort. Um, obviously, you could, you know, harvest the sun's energy for like sure. dehydrating or something like that. Even then, you want to make sure you've got some airflow on it. So you need like sun and wind. wind. Um, and of course, fermenting would maybe be the other mm, one. That that's true. Off the top. So amazing, but uh, but you know, of our more production, like let's get it done, let's get it on the shelf, let's put up a lot of food. Of those methods, they all take some amount of energy. Um, historically, that might have been used, you know, wood heat or something like that, but mm -hmm. it does take energy. So it is a good sure. thought there. Do you have any numbers of like what an average load costs? If let's say you're talking about a medium sized freeze dryer. Sure. I mean, I can just give you my personal experience. Usually I'm about a dollar forty to a dollar sixty a day on my medium freeze dryer per batch. Um, so like you said, if I run 10 or 15 batches in a month, um, which by the way, if you do that, you will be amazed at how much food you freeze dry because it will start to pile up and you'll be amazed at how much food you're not wasting. Um, so usually you're I'm I'm about a dollar and a half in my area on on running my freeze dryer. You know, this is a really big deal, you guys. And I want to qualify that a little bit. A lot of loads in the freeze dryer are going to take you two days to run, depending on, you know, all different factors. But they're going to take you two days. So you can do that math. Um, but, you know, that is a lot of food for not a very much, not a very high cost. And if you are producing the food, which a lot of you guys are, if you have fruit trees, if you have a garden, if you're bringing this high quality food in for free, it that is a phenomenally low amount of money to pay for high quality food on your shelf. All you have to do is go look at some of the freeze dried food companies and realize the only ones that are affordable are the ones that are just like um, beans or rice or pasta yeah. or something mm -hmm. like that because the food is so cheap to produce, right? So if you're bringing in this food that you've produced for free on your own property or for a low cost, and then you're freeze drying it, it's just a phenomenal combination and a great way to go. Yeah, so I think about that guy, Carolyn, who's raising meat chickens or something like that. And, and he goes to freeze dry his own chicken. And all of a sudden, if he ran your large freeze dryer, he'd probably run in one batch, right? He'd spend two or $3 in power, um, and he would probably get two or $300 worth of freeze dried chicken out of that one batch oh, yeah. that he had raised himself. And yeah. really in that scenario, you use your freeze dryer like 10 times and it was, and then you could put your freeze dryer right in the dumpster and you got your money out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so like kind of cool. I mean, not cool how expensive freeze dried food is, but kind of cool how quickly if you get a freeze dryer and you use it a couple of times a week, I mean, it sounds you use yours a lot more than that. It will pay for itself really fast. Yeah, it really does. And of course, there's all the stories of the people who get theirs and then they start a small like side business of freeze drying food and selling it. A lot of states now have cottage industry laws that are becoming favorable to being able to do that. Of course, the classic you hear about is candy. Everybody wants freeze dried candy. So people get their machines. They start a freeze dried candy business. Everybody go cr goes crazy over it because Skittles that just dissolve on your tongue is a crazy flavor and feeling and it's kind of fun yeah. um, and they pay off their machine within like six months 
they will completely pay off the machine. We actually have several followers here who have done that exact same thing. And not only do they end up with a paid off machine, but they end up with a business that they've got gotten started that they're now keeping running. You know, some people are doing this with their leftover fruits from the orchard and they're turning around, they're finding that they can sell it at a huge um, price for these great quality food and they can pay off their machine really quickly. So yeah. Well, you're so right, Carolyn. And this is so cool because I, I'll have people tell me, they'll say, I go to farmer's markets and I sell my produce. Right. And and that's part of what I do. I grow a lot of produce and I go to farmer's markets. And then they'll say, I started bringing freeze dried candy with me to the farmer's markets <laughs> along with my produce. And now I'm making way more money than I did off my fruits and vegetables that I've been selling for years. And so if you're one of these people who goes to the farmer's market, maybe you sell tomatoes and potatoes and corn and things that you grow, add a freeze dryer to it, make some treats, freeze dry your, your vegetables that you can't get to, package those up too, take those to the farmer's market and just kind of add to that business you already have. And, and it's pretty fun to see people make businesses out of, out of their machines. You know, we have a joke in my house about, you know, teenagers aren't allowed to roll their eyes at their parents, but there's nothing in the rule book about parents rolling their eyes at the teenagers. So this is my big, like, loving eye roll about the candy thing. I just got, as a, as a homesteader, I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't get it, but that's okay. That's cool. If you like freeze-dried candy, I still like you, okay? You're okay, totally, but... <laughs> <laughs> but take grapes because they taste like candy once they're freeze dried and get everybody right. eating freeze dried grapes instead because it'd be a little bit. <laughs> You're exactly right. That's it. It is a funny thing and it does do cool things to candy, but, but it's not the most practical, right? We're getting our freeze dryers to cut down on waste and to freeze dry our gardens and to take care of our families and to be prepared for whatever. And then if you want to have some fun with your freeze dryer on the way and make it a little business, more power to you. Um, and, 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 do it right. Go for it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk for a moment with, for people who don't know about like how much food can you get into a freeze dryer? I know we have all different sizes, freeze dryers, the extra large is out. I have a brand new extra large we just bought and it is, it's still sitting in the garage. We're still trying to figure out where we're going to set this up. That makes sense. Um, and so we're going to get there, but I'm so excited about that because that adds a whole lot more volume of food that we can do all at once. But how much can food, can you get into a freeze dryer? How much can you get on a tray? Uh, sure. Talk us through that a little bit. Sure. You're right. So we have four sizes of freeze dryer. So you can get a small freeze dryer, a medium, large, and extra large. We keep it really simple. Um, and every freeze dryer has just different capacity. That's the main difference between them. The most popular size is the medium. Um, that's the freeze dryer I have at home. And, and the medium is a great freeze dryer for you if you don't have a really large garden. If you're more of a hobby gardenist, gardener, or if you're freeze drying leftovers, camping and backpacking meals, food on great deals when you find great deals at the store, um, that freeze dryer is perfect for you. And that medium freeze dryer will do about 12 pounds of food in a batch. But I don't know if that really give, paints the picture right for people. Um, the trays are a lot bigger than you think on that medium freeze dryer. And if you put two of those trays next to each other, there's five trays in that medium freeze dryer. You put two next to each other. You're looking at basically, what is it? Like a nine by 11 casserole pan, right? With two of the trays. So start, you start to think about that, right? Two of those trays becomes a nice pan of lasagna or something. Um, so, so the medium has more capacity than you might think. And then as you get bigger, right, even the small, the small freeze dryer can do seven or eight pounds of food. That large freeze dryer will do 16 to 20 is kind of probably your range. And then that extra large will do like 35 pounds of food, which uh, again, it's difficult to quantify in pounds of food. I wish we could just line the trays up for you right here and show you right. Like, holy cow, this will freeze dry a lot in a short amount of time. So how do you know, let's say you're freeze drying and you're filling up your trays. Let's say I'm putting sliced peaches on my trays. How do I know when to stop putting them on? Like, can the food touch each other? Can you stack mm. it on top of each other? I've seen things out there like stainless steel racks that you can like double stack things on. Like, what? how do you know when to stop when you have enough on there or that you're not underfilling your trays? 
Sure. So there's a little bit of common sense that we have to think about here. And, and, and it's really going to depend on how much water is in what you're freeze drying. And so the easiest rule of thumb to say is, yes, the, the, the fruits or vegetables or the meals, whatever you're doing, they can touch, no problem. And you can always go at least the height of the tray, right? But there are some instances where you might do more than that. And an instance like that might be corn, right? Corn doesn't have a ton of water in it. And, and so you might do one full layer of corn, the height of the tray, and then put a parchment down and then pile some more on with corn. You might do the same thing with some yogurt drops if you're doing yogurt drops, right? Where, where you can get more on the trays because maybe there's not as much water in that product. Meat is another great example of that. If you want to freeze dry chicken or pulled pork or steak, that doesn't have as much water in it as raw eggs or milk or something along those lines or peaches that have a lot of water in them. And so the height of the trays is always a good rule of thumb. Um, obviously, the 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 more you pack into your freeze dryer, the longer that batch will take, right? Kind of like you said. And so I'm actually a pretty big fan of kind of loading my freeze dryer and pushing the limits on it because I would rather put twice as much food in my freeze dryer and say, wait 36 hours, than just do a single layer, a smaller layer and just do 24 hours and get twice as much food out. So I kind of like to push the limits on my freeze dryer. You don't have to do that, but that's what I do just because I just maximize the amount um, that I'm getting on each tray. Is there really a danger of like overfilling it? Could you do something that would harm the machine or harm the food or anything like that if you overfilled it? It's just no. going to take longer? Yeah, if you overfill your freeze dryer, it'll just take longer. And so no, no, no danger. That's the cool thing about these freeze dryers is they're they're pretty pretty like I would say, like I like I told you, I think about my grandma, they're pretty grandma proof. Like grandma can't break the machine. And and so 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 they're really awesome that way. You can load it and and if it just takes longer, it takes longer because you just overloaded it. So I see a lot of claims out there that the nutrition in freeze-dried foods, can, you know, is going to stay pretty, pretty high for up to like 20, 25 years. Is that true? Like, are you, you really think that like the vitamin, everything in there is going to stay pretty high for that long of a time? Yeah. The, so that's the beauty of freeze-drying, right? Especially compared to any other, any other method of food preservation, um, freeze drying is just going to be the best as far as that longevity and the nutrition in that food over that period of time. And so lots of studies have been done um, on, on nutrition in freeze dried food. In fact, some of the studies, um, when, when some of the government organizations that will measure the amount of vitamins and minerals in certain foods, they'll actually freeze dry those foods first and then run those studies under freeze-dried conditions because they know that freeze-dried products maintain their nutritional level, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, and, and you can see it in the food. Like we talked about, if you freeze-dry a banana, it stays pretty white banana as opposed to a dehydrated banana that turns brown. And, and so you can really kind of still see the life in that food. Avocado is one of those that is so br bright and vibrant and green freeze-dried. But if you dehydrate it, it's probably going to turn brown or black on you. And so um, you, you can even see it in the food, which, which I think is a really good sign. Yeah, that's really interesting. The color does stay pretty vibrant in most of the foods too. Like your greens stay pretty green, which is pretty neat. So even as it sits on the shelf though, and ages, let's say we're getting up to 10, 15 years, like I assume like everything, there's going to be a slow loss, right? Sure. You mm -hmm. expect that. Except for with freeze drying, it's just a slower loss. Is that pretty much what's happening? Yeah, freeze drying is really unique because what it does is it puts the food in stasis is what it does. And so how would I describe this? So you know how people will make yogurt, like with a yogurt culture, right? So I can make my own yogurt. I have a yogurt culture. It's a living thing that I'm making yogurt with. You can freeze dry yogurt and years later rehydrate it and that bacteria is still alive and you can still make yogurt with that yogurt culture. And so to your point, I don't know if that I've never, obviously I haven't done this. I don't know if yogurt culture 20 years later, you can still revive that yogurt culture and it will still culture. But, but I do know this. I do know that freeze drying is going to do a way better job than any other method of food preservation. It's going to do way better 
on maintaining the nutrients than canning will, than dehydrating will, than fermenting, than any other way you can preserve food. So I think you're right. Over time, it's only natural that you're going to lose some of that nutrition. Um, but as far as, as compared to any other method, it's just not going to be beat. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the rate that you start to lose that. But I do know that that, that, that meals have been opened that are 35 years old. And there's actually been studies done, blind taste tests, where the 35-year-old meal was here next to the two-year-old freeze-dried meal. And people blind taste testing liked the 35-year-old meal better <laughs> than, you know, a lot of people did. And so... Better and better quality ingredients back then. <laughs> yes, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. So what kind of foods don't last well on the shelf when they're freeze-dried? Because there are a few things that have a limited shelf life when they're freeze-dried. So let's talk about those. Sure. So the big thing to, if, if you're looking for that longest shelf life, the big thing to avoid is really fat, high, high fat content items. And so, for example, when I do ground beef, I'll cook my ground beef. And then I'll actually, you know, you, when you have ground beef, then you've got the grease on it afterwards. I'll actually rinse it and then season it and then freeze dry it, right, to get that better shelf life. I'll, I'll choose a leaner ground beef that I'm going to freeze dry. I'll freeze dry, you know, leaner meats, leaner cuts like chicken and turkey and things like that, 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 that will last a lot better for, for longer periods of time. So your big enemy for long-term food storage is often your high-fat uh, content items. So for a lot of us in the homesteading world, we're actually using freeze dryers more for like year to year preservation to actually live off of during the non-growing season, right? That's definitely what I'm doing predominantly. So let's say I do have a high fat item that I want to freeze dry. Do you guys have a recommendation? Like, let's say, let's say I freeze dried bacon. Okay. I've actually had freeze dried bacon before. And let me tell you, it is phenomenal. But you kind of go into that knowing I'm not really going to make this last very long because that fat doesn't really freeze dry all the way. Fat doesn't really have the water percentage to lose. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't freeze dry the same. How, you know, do you guys recommend, do you have any recommendations for that? Or do you just say, stay away from it? Or, or what's uh, the story there? Sure. The easiest thing to do is to say, stay away from it for long term. Right. But if you do things like bacon and you do pat off the grease before you freeze dry it, and maybe you have, bacon's not usually going to be very lean, but maybe you try and cut some of the fatty parts off a little bit that are really fatty on it and you freeze dry it that way. Usually you're going to get something like that that's going to easily last three years um, freeze dried. And so, yeah, probably if you call Harvest Right, they'll say, don't freeze dry bacon if you want it to last for a long time. But the reality is you probably can. Right. And, and you can probably get away with it and have some fun with it. So on the other hand, it might not last that long in your house anyways, because it's delicious <laughs> right. and it's just going to go away. I actually my mom um, used my freeze dryer quite a bit for a season as she was traveling and she wanted some meals and she um, maybe not even knowing any better um, cooked green beans in a large amount of bacon. It, they were so good. And she freeze dried these and they came out of the pan and they did not go into a Mylar bag. They were so phenomenal the way they were just like that, just as a snack that it was like, yeah, that's all right. We can just eat them. They're, they're really right. good. <laughs> so there's some good things to do with it too. And, you know, with all things, if you do something like that for a short-term snack, sticking it in the freezer for storage, like properly, putting it in a bag and all of that and getting it in the freezer. I know that kind of negates the, we're kind of going to the candy realm here, right? Like we're sure. negating some of the free, the preserving value, but, um, but it is a really good way to get some really great delicious snacks that uh, especially hungry people who are out in cold places really like if you have hunters in your family and they need to go out in the stand, um, make sure to tell them to eat the bacon green beans after they're done hunting on the way home because everything in the forest will smell it. It's, <laughs> it's but, so good. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, let's talk about machine maintenance for just a second. I know we're, we're really talking, we're having a great conversation. I don't want to go too long, but I had an email from somebody actually yesterday and they wrote and they said, 
Um, I'm worried about changing the oil on my machine. It's actually keeping me from buying a freeze dryer because I'm worried about how hard it's going to be. And they asked me to do a video on it. Well, I haven't done that yet, obviously. But um, I, I will tell you, I can change the oil on my freeze dryer all by myself. Sure. <laughs> I've never changed an oil in a car. I've never changed oil anywhere else. It's really easy to do that. But aside from changing the oil, what are other things that you would call regular maintenance on your machine that people should be aware that they need to take care of? Yeah. So you're right. And sometimes when you hear change oil, we immediately go car and we immediately think I can't change the oil in my car. I don't do that. Right. This, this sounds hard. Really changing the oil in your freeze dryer. You have a little vacuum pump there and you just crack the spigot and you drain that oil into a filter that we give you. And then you pour it back in after it's drained through. That's that that's really all. And you have to do that about every 25 to 30 batches that you run. And so I would probably compare it to maybe putting gasoline in a lawnmower. Um, you know, that's probably about as hard as it is. Wouldn't you agree? It's, it's really it easy easier than that. Like if you can fill up one of those iced tea containers that like, you know, has iced tea and then you pour it out the spigot. If you can pour yourself a glass of iced tea from a spigot thing and then you can refill it from the top. That's about how hard it is because that's literally what you're doing. You're opening it, draining it closing it just like you do with the spigot of iced tea and then you're pouring more in on the top and it, it's really pretty much that simple right and for those people who are just just really don't want to do that we have an oil free pump option but i'm just going to tell you right now that option is more expensive and you don't need to do it right anyone can do this so i you, you just really don't that vacuum pump that comes with your freeze dryer is amazing it's quiet it's energy efficient and it's really easy to maintain so what else do you have to do to maintain a freeze dryer? You would just treat it like any appliance that you have at home. So just keep it clean, wipe it down periodically, um, and, and just treat it like you would maybe a refrigerator or a freezer, you know, that you're just going to just keep nice and clean and pretty. But most people keep their freeze dryer in their garage or a utility room. And so you might want to watch it a little more often and just wipe it down and keep it clean. So I have a freeze dryer sitting right next to me right now. My two freeze dryers are right there. You guys can't see them. And um, recently, one of my wonderful children who helps around here decided to freeze dry some applesauce, which is great, except for they dramatically overfilled the... Anyways, let's just say there's sticky stuff all on the inside of the tray rack mm. now. Like it's sticky and it's all over. And I'm I'm looking at it going... Wow, that's a project. How do you clean the inside of the machine? Like, is that tricky or am I just using? Oh, something? yeah. Yeah, great question. Did you pre-freeze that applesauce? I don't think they did. I think they did not pre-freeze it. And then when the vacuum pump kicked on, it poofed. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes really sugary foods will do that, right? That's why that's why your Skittles are people go goo goo over Skittles and taffy because when you have really sugary foods, they poof a little bit, right? And so your applesauce probably did that, especially if it wasn't pre-frozen. If you had pre-frozen it, it wouldn't have done that. But, but what you'll do with your mess is we can do this really easy. You just pull the door gasket off and then that shelving unit comes right out and you'll just unplug it. And then we can just do a, a quick wipe down, right? With, with just a mild detergent and put it back in and, and fire it up and use it again. But you didn't hurt the freeze dryer, which is which is a good thing, right? Right. That freeze dryer is not hurt. There's no problems with it. Let's just pull off that door gasket, wipe it down with a mild detergent, clean it out, and you'll be good to go. So I'm assuming it's kind of the same as like a crock pot base or something. Like you don't really want to submerge that thing all the way in water or does it matter? You know, you could, but probably you don't need to. I, I actually have a little brush that I use to clean my dishes with at, uh, at my, you know, when we're doing washing pans or crock pots. And I just use that brush actually okay. to and I get it wet. And I, you can get that shelving unit wet and it doesn't matter. Okay, great. So one more question here before we wrap up. And that is, you know, obviously people are freeze drying candy. They're freeze drying their food for storage. What other things are people using freeze dryers for? Um, what else can you freeze dry? Is there yeah. something else? 
just wacky things. I mean, I've seen people do some fun things. Obviously, uh, taxidermy is a thing that people use their freeze dryers for, you know, little delicate birds and little delicate animals. Um, we have larger freeze dryers that people will freeze dry, antler horns and things like that. Uh, books, um, you know, books that have maybe that need to be salvaged that have gotten soaked and wet. I've seen people do. I've even seen people who my neighbor did this, actually. She dropped her phone in the toilet and she was devastated. This lady was because she had all these pictures of her kids and grandkids. And she was like, my phone, I need my phone. Right. None of this was backed up on storage. And she actually brought her freeze dryer to me. We threw her or her phone, rather, not her freezer. She brought her phone to me that had been soaked. And we took the battery out of it, put it in the freeze dryer. And the freeze dryer took all the water out of her phone. And then we put the battery back in and her phone was saved. It was pretty oh, cool. Wow. That's amazing. That's so, really great. Anyway, funny things people do with their freeze dryer. But you're right. Most people are using them for their gardens, camping, backpacking, hunting, hiking, all of those kinds of things. So. I know around our house, we've started doing some flowers because we have children yeah, who yeah, all right. sorts of little flowers, but yeah. um, definitely we're doing medicinal herbs in it. Mm-hmm. That's one. And, you know, maybe that kind of goes in the category of food, but uh, that I have uh, had a lot of luck in really enjoying doing the medicinal herbs along with the culinary herbs in the freeze dryer. Mm, so, yeah. 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 Great. Awesome. Yeah, you're smart. Exactly. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Um, if people are interested in learning more about freeze drying or possibly even getting a freeze dryer, where should they come check you out? Well, I would first watch a few of the videos that Carolyn has made because she makes great videos just kind of showing you about freeze drying. Honestly, I, I think you made a great one about avocado and some about eggs and milk and things that you've done with your freeze dryer. So you can learn so much from Carolyn, actually. Um, but after that, just go to harvestrite.com. You're going to learn a lot about freeze dryers on harvestrite.com and, and you can pick one up there and, and get one. I know they we're kind of at the busy season right now. And I don't know when you're watching this video, it's the holidays right now. So they, they are kind of popular right now because there's a great sale happening. Um, but But yeah, go to harvestrite.com after you watch Carolyn's videos. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, it's been great seeing you guys and hanging out with you for another episode of the Pantry Chat. Oh, and hey, I do want to put a little plug out there. Um, I am currently contracted with a publisher to write a freeze drying book that looks like it's coming out in 24 sometime maybe the fall of 24 we'll see we'll see so i'm just gonna throw that out there and start you know start the buzz right so you all know what's happening and coming down the pipeline so um that'll be a lot of fun we'll be exploring this topic quite a bit more as i'm getting ready to write that book so matt thank you so much for joining us and uh hopefully we will see you again real soon all right thanks carolyn Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.